Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands and love Him together. Father God, what a beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for this day of life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings, dear God, thank you. Jesus' great name. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Galatians. Work your way from the book of Acts forward a little bit. And you will come to the book of Galatians. We're very glad for each and every one that's here this morning. We certainly love and appreciate you. And uh, Galatians. There are six chapters in Galatians. I'd like you to turn to chapter 5. Chapter 5, book of Galatians. All right. God bless each and every one of you. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 8. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. I'd like to work on this morning on the persuasion that cometh of him that calleth you. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. When Jesus gave birth, well, he introduced first his church. And that's Matthew 16, 16 through 18, when he polled them and the Spirit of God revealed to Peter, the apostle, who Jesus was. It was a great and marvelous revelation and insight that he was not just one of the other prophets was nice to get away from generalities, get into something rather specific. You know, as you look in the Old Testament for an example, and when the Lord inspired uh, Moses, gave him commandments to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, then um, there was it was very exact. I mean, very exact. And so, when you come to the fulfilling of those shadows and types and previews uh, of things that were given to us in the Old Testament, and you come into the New Testament, you're given the uh, fulfillment of those things. And here we are, and we're looking at Jesus introducing his church. Everything that was in that Old Testament was a preview of this church and what's coming, this congregation, this body of Christ, this corporate body of believers. Oh, friend, what a glorious and marvelous thing. And uh, as it began to shape up and take place, and as Peter said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. It got rid of all generalities then. He put his finger right on it. That's what I like about the Holy Ghost. He puts his finger right on it, friend. Doesn't leave you uh, to wonder and not sure and and uh, back and forth and stuff like that, seesawing and, and balking at things and hesitating at things and not at all. He's going to help you to pinpoint, put your finger right on it. And so it was. Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Very exact. And uh, it just pulled everything together. And of course, Jesus went on to tell him, 
that that didn't come from flesh and blood. And that's right. These things that are of God and that are important and have to do with eternity, they don't come from flesh and blood. This comes from the Spirit of the Lord. I heard somebody telling about they were going to preach on John uh, 3 and 5 verses through 3 verses 5 through 7. And uh, I listened for a little while and uh, nothing ever got said. And uh, I decided that they just didn't have it to give. They just didn't have it to give. It's one thing to read it, one thing to say you're going to do something with it, but if you haven't got it to give, you haven't got it to give. And that's why when it first started out, whom do men say that I am? Well, they didn't have it to give. And, well, you're, you know, Jeremiah or uh, one of the old prophets risen up and blah, blah, blah. And so then the Lord focused it on down and, and uh, he said, whom do you say that I am? And that's when the Holy Ghost spoke through Peter and said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. We're going to get away from generalities. We're going to get away from things that are easily watered down. And we're going to bring you something exact and something very specific. And you know, one time, I was, one time among many times, but I was talking to a gentleman on the phone, and he was in another state, I believe he was in New York, and um, he was talking to me about some business that he a certain way, and I wasn't in agreement with him. And um, one thing led to another, and he said, well, why don't you just do like Jesus and just go ahead and like that? And so that opened the door to talk about the Lord a little bit. In, in that taking place, uh, I, be, I began to get convicted uh, of his own conscience. And so finally he said, well, I, I am uh, saved. I am all right. And I said, no, you're not. And he said, how do you know that? And I said, well, because I'm asking you very specific and exact questions, and you're not giving me specific and exact answers. You're giving me the wrong answers. You're not giving me the right answers. And so, uh, you know, by your speech, you condemn yourself. And so it was, uh, it is with many situations that you come into in life, especially from the standpoint of being in the church, uh, you begin to, I told one lawyer not too long ago, I said, the Bible said to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And he said, I like that. Well, yes, you should like that. Especially being a lawyer, right? You should like that. And so we want to uh, stay with this chapter and verse. We want to stay with subject matter. And we want to realize that the church that Jesus introduced, that that church went forth everywhere preaching this beautiful gospel. And in so doing, it was very exact and very specific. And it was time and time again the same pattern over and over and over again. Don't ever let that get old. Don't let that become ho-hum to you. Let, you. let your mind be convinced and realize that the truth, you're, that's what you've got. And that you want to never lose that, never tarnish that, never let it become ho-hum or something that, you know, big deal in your mind. You want to know this is a big deal. This is the biggest deal. Uh, Jesus said, I'm giving to you the keys to the kingdom. All right, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And, and so then you come to that uh, teaching of whatsoever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So friend, when you come to the church, we have the power to loose you from sin. We have the power to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ and by the authority 
that is invested in us. After that, we receive the Holy Ghost. We receive power. I hear people so, say so many contradictory things, and they're supposed to be saying what the book teaches. If you'll stay with chapter and verse, and you'll stay with subject matter, and you'll um, you know, put yourself in that position to where I am going to submit myself to that great word of God, and what thus saith the Lord, that's what it is. And I'm not going to let that be watered down or diluted in any way, shape, or form. And everybody said amen. amen. Oh, no, my friend. You let this reach out and get a hold of you. Uh, somebody, one a dear sweetheart here this morning, is letting their hair grow out, a Holy Ghost-like, Bible-like, which means you don't cut it, and um, said that the family's kind of had some things to say. And I said, yeah, well, you just let them go ahead and talk. And I said, you just go ahead and do what's right. And that's how it's going to always have to be, church family. That we're going to have to just go ahead and do what the Lord says. We're just going to have to follow through with chapter and verse on whatever subject matter we're dealing with. When it comes to being baptized there's a, in Jesus' name, there's all kinds of people aren't going to like it. We just had a man, his father passed away, and he, he went out to the funeral. And um, he was concerned about how the family was going to react. And um, so we prayed about it. And, and he told me, he said, man, everything went great. He said, I'm, my niece is getting baptized in Jesus' name. And we found a really good church that you recommended to us. And everything just went well. And, you know, we're just going to go ahead and do it right, aren't we, church family? We're just going to stay with that chapter and verse. We're not going to let people, we're not going to let spirits through people turn us to the right or turn us to the left or, or push us to go backwards. We're just going to keep going straight on forward. We're going to stay between the lines, if you please. We're headed for something eternal here. We're on a straight and a narrow that leads to life eternal. And, and we're going there, and we're not going to be deterred. If anything, we're going to have a persuasion that is of God. Now, what took place was that the church that Jesus started in Acts chapter 2, when he poured out his spirit for the first time, for whosoever will. You know, God will tell you about something and he'll, he'll bring something out in the preaching and he'll talk to your heart through the word of God and prayer. And you can find yourself thinking, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow. And, uh, but there I've found that sometimes and a lot of times the Lord has given us a little heads up, a little forewarning for something. It's coming. And uh, <clears throat> we have to go on and believe it. We have to trust in the Lord. Some things are straightway, or as the Bible said, straightway, or they're immediate, but not everything is. Not everything is. And there are some things that we find that we have to wait on the Lord. Okay? We have to do that. We have to wait on the Lord. See, Sister Feld and I were discussing uh, the Scripture, and, and she said, um, I, Isaiah 40 and 31, and I said, that's a good one. And, and so she began to uh, read it, and how that they that wait upon the Lord, you know, you wait on him, you wait on him, you don't, uh, and I'm preaching to myself, you don't run ahead and just do things under your own power and your own steam, you've got to learn to wait on the Lord, that he's going to open the door, he's going to bring it to pass, he's going to make the way, he's going to do things that you and I cannot do, and that when we go ahead and try to do things, we, we have a tendency to unfortunately make a mess out of things. And, uh, and we, we, we become our own worst enemy, you know. But <clears throat> here, he said, this persuasion cometh uh, not of him that calleth you. What took place was that the church, the body of Christ, 
was up and running. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They had uh, begun to baptize people in Jesus' name and see people get the Holy Ghost. They filled their city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And then they went on from there out into the rest of the known world. They were reaching people left and right. And as they begin to do that, they were, didn't, you know, in the early days uh, of my pastor, uh, back in the 30s, uh, that's a long time ago, isn't it? That's uh, almost 100 years ago. Uh, we're getting close to that. And, uh, but I'd venture to say it's probably uh, 85 years ago that uh, there weren't a lot of uh, physical buildings uh, where, we had to, where we assembled together and had church. Things were done out in the open air or things were done in what was called brush arbors. Sometimes somebody had a house and they had uh, what they called cottage prayer meetings and would log, walk long distances to get to them. Uh, cars were not frequent and the high super highways were not existent. And um, so it was a, a slower method. You know, in the days of the apostles, they would get on a ship and sometimes that would take a month or two months to get from point A to point B, okay, depending on where you were going. So the, there, it's not like today, you know, where things are so much speeded up to where we can be on an airplane and going 550 miles an hour, we're, we're antsy in our seat, wondering, when am I going to get there, you know? <laughs> and here we are moving along, woof! And uh, so I'm saying that back in the day, though, there wasn't a lot of physical plants. And the, the, evangel the preachers would go in, and most of them had an evangelistic spirit, and they would win a lot of people. People would, they would be in the creek, you hear me now, they would be baptizing them in the name of Jesus Christ, and these people would be getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they were brand new souls, and it was an on-fire message. And, and, uh, but the, they would win hundreds upon hundreds of people. <clears throat> and then the preacher, being in an in a, uh, uh, evangelistic mode, they would move on. They would go to a new area, and they would go through the whole thing again. And, and they would reach people, they would baptize people, people get the whole, and then they'd move on to another place. And so what I'm saying to you is that uh, when my pastor came in, God showed him right away that uh, he was going to be a church planter. He was going to build buildings to house the people. And so that's what he did. And that's the type of ministry that I came in under. And so I'm saying to you, though, that uh, when the body of Christ began, they were going into areas, and uh, if they could find a building or uh, if they met in public places, uh, they were having church, and they were influencing people. They were convincing people. They were winning people to the knowledge of the truth. And in so doing, the church began to grow. And exponentially, it was just exploding, exploding. Uh, my wife mentioned to me and asked me, what was the Council of Nicaea? And I began to tell her what the Council of Nicaea was. And I said, really, what it was, was it was a, it was a getting together to decide. They wanted to decide what to do about us. Remember I told you, First uh, John 2.19, five times the word us is used, and we be us. We were the us. We are the us. We are the body of Christ continued. We have continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And what took place was there were those that le left us, went out from us. And what they did was they left and they went and they confederated into a group uh, out in a place called Rome. And Rome at that time was the ruling power. And the emperor wanted his own personal religion. And these folks had left us. They begin to morph. 
and as somebody said, they begin to evolve. And they finally evolved into uh, what became known as the Roman Catholic Church. Now that's historical, in about, an encyclopedia will tell you that, in approximately 325 A.D., they confederated and became known as that group of people. And so uh, when they did that, they, these people that started it and that formed it and that put the rules together uh, of that particular denomination, they were people that left us. They left the original church. And it became manifest that they were not of us. Something was not right in their spirit. Something was not right, though at one time they walked with us and they shouted with us and they preached with us and they got preached to among us. And, and they were a part of a lot of things. But something, it's just like uh, uh, Brother Weekly's got a garden, and I promise you that it'll, he'll fix that soil and it'll look real nice, and, and he'll plant his seeds, and, and he'll water it, and he'll fertilize it, and he'll step back and, and, and be getting ready for it to grow. But you know what? After a while, as you're seeing that beautiful new plant come up, and it's going to produce a, a fruit or a vegetable of some kind, you're also going to find out that something else is in that soil, and that's going to be weeds. And those weeds are going to come up. And it's going to be made manifest between the fruit and the weed, or the plant and the weed. And the weed is what we've got to weed out. And we've got to pluck that up and get rid of that, so that it, because if we leave it, it will choke the good plant and it will kill and destroy that fruit that is potential to come out. And so that's how it was in the beginning for the body of Christ, and that's how it remains today. And that is that there are, and it is written very plainly, uh, as Jesus taught, that there were uh, uh, tares that got sown among the good seed, and that the tares are lookalikes, they're hypocrites, and they would seem to be us, only they're not us. And it becomes manifest or it becomes clear, it becomes demonstrated to where you are aware they're not of us. They're not of us. And so they begin to, uh, as they begin to go in a direction that was not of us, uh, as I said, they wound up in that place called Rome and they hooked up with the emperor. And in so doing, then they formed something that was became in opposition to the original church. And when people uh, rise up, and you know, you love people. You want everybody to stay and be in the body of Christ and not leave and let's go forward and, and let's be a partaker of every good and every wonderful thing. But you know what? You find out that everybody doesn't want this. I remember when I first got the Holy Ghost, and uh, it was all brand new to me, friend, and I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in Jesus' name, my wife and I together. And uh, my pastor, our pastor, baptized us in an outdoor tank. And um, everybody gathered around, and we got in the tank together. And, and he baptized her, and he baptized me in Jesus' name. And, and um, uh, it wasn't too many uh, weeks or days later, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, the Lord had already called me to preach. And um, as we, uh, we went back to where we were from, and I thought everybody would want this. And I found out everybody didn't want this. I found out that there were people that threw me out of their house and, and their businesses and, and uh, their life. And, and there were people that uh, had very harsh and ugly things to say to me and took a bad attitude. And me, I'm just there full of love of God. And I'm just wanting them to have what I have and, I, and be happy like I'm happy and, and know the feeling that I know to experience the goodness of God. 
and I wanted them so much to have that. And, um, and so I'm saying to you that that also has not changed, that you will find that, unfortunately, there's going to be some people that are, have the wrong spirit about them, and, and that's going to be made manifest. It's going to become clear. They're going to become a thorn. They're going to be a, a, a thistle and, a, and a, some type of uh, unpleasant thing that grows up and it begins to choke, as it is written in the Bible, that the seed, the good seed, uh, fell upon some area and some ground where uh, the, the uh, thorns came up and they begin to choke out the Word of God in an individual's heart, an individual's life. And, and so they become unfruitful. And when they had potential to bring forth fruit, they do not any longer bring forth a good fruit. They might bring forth a type of fruit that is poisonous or a type of fruit that is uh, uh, rotted and, uh, and not, not good. But, uh, that, and that takes place. And, and sometimes it's people that are close to you. Sometimes it's people that you love. Sometimes it's people that you have fellowshiped with. And, uh, and remember that the traitor, Judas Iscariot, he, he and the Lord broke bread together. They ate at the same table together. He, he considered him to be a friend. There was a closeness there. And yet, he betrayed the Lord. Even so that the Lord looked at him and said, Betrayest thou me with a kiss? You know? And uh, boy, how people can bring deception, huh? How that people can bring deception. And so, and you know what? It becomes difficult for us uh, to, to actually believe it sometimes of somebody. That, my God, I can't believe they did that. Well, they did do that. And, and you know what? We have to take the spiritual road. We're on that, that path that leads to life eternal. And there are going to be, as the scripture said, a thousand, uh, you know, going to fall at one side and at the other side and said, but not going to come nigh or near to you. If you keep on walking, if you keep on putting him first, if you keep on letting him that has called you persuade you. All right? Because he said here, and what happened is that as they went forth, the church, and as they begin to establish new works and new fields, as I said, uh, the, the pattern is for the original church, and it has done it. We follow in that pattern to give birth to new works, and those new works in turn to be able to give birth to new works. And it just keeps on going. It keeps on growing. And we're to, I saw somebody uh, yesterday, and they had, uh, they had a, a custom T-shirt on, and it was a religious group, and they said, 100 years strong. And I said, gee, we're 2,000 years strong. <laughs> you know, we're 2,000 years strong. And, and that, that, they're right, they are 100 years. You know what? You, you go into, uh, they, have, they have encyclopedias and they have books that will tell you where the denomination started, who started them, and what century they started. I had somebody ask me the other day uh, on the phone. As a matter of fact, it was it was they were trying to uh, get information about us, and so they said, you know, when they started naming, are you this? Are you that? Are you that? And I said, no. I said all those folks came long after us, and they said, well, what are you then? So boy, that was it, friend. I was more than happy to tell them, <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> Amen. Me and the telephone. What can I say? You get people on the other end, and sometimes they they just ask me the right question. And I get to give them the right answer. And so the church went on. And that's, a church was a congregation, in other words, was birthed in a place called Galatia. And as they reached people, uh, constituents, citizens of that area known as Galatia, 
then uh, they were baptizing them in Jesus' name, and getting the gift of the Holy Ghost. And a work was birthed right there in that area. And as they did so, uh, and they moved, moving on in the next place and the next place, yet uh, Paul began to uh, train people. And, and as he did, he would ordain uh, different ones to uh, be over each of the places that they established to work because they didn't want the people to scatter. And they didn't want them to uh, get, you know, I, I tell people all the time, there are those that have uh, tadpoles and wiggle worms in their, in their pond or in their canal, you know, or in their system, if you please. And, and that's what can happen when you get away from, from Bible leadership, when you get away from those that are ordained of God and, and uh, have this great truth. And that's what happened. They went out from us, right? And when they wound up over there in Rome, man, they had all kinds of tadpoles and wiggle worms, let me tell you. And that's why they produced what they produced. And they were, they, it was off, it was wrong. And, and, and because they did that, then everything they birthed was wrong by even more. And you know, it's just like lying. If you tell a lie, you're going to wind up having to tell two or three more to cover the first one. And it just keeps growing and getting worse and getting worse. And, you know, if you keep on insisting, in other words, they do say that, that liars, uh, after a while, they believe their own lies. And so what happens is then somebody has to live their whole life a lie. Their whole life becomes nothing but a lie. I'm so glad to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and to get delivered from lying, to get delivered from saying it wrong, and thinking it wrong, and doing it wrong, and acting wrong, and that God saves us from those things. He delivers us from those things. And, and in so doing, the church, the church that was started there at Galatia, there were people that came in, and, and, and different terms of scriptures are used, that certain men were crept in unawares. They just, you know, we don't like creeps, you know. There were some creeps. They crept in. Hello. Hi, that's funny. Okay. They crept in, and they, and they came creeping in, and so it got kind of creepy around there, you know. And, um, but they, they crept in unawares, okay. They snuck up on the church, so to speak. They came in undercover, or, and that in your Bible, in the book of Acts, how many times have I taught you about the ship that Paul was on and how that uh, it was in a tremendous storm. And how that Paul went to the prayer room and he prayed. He found him a little locker somewhere. And he shut himself up in there and he began to talk to God. And the angel of the Lord came and stood by him and let him know everything's going to be alright. Everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's going to make it if they'll stay with the ship. You stay with the church. You, that means you stay with the teachings. You stay with what the leadership is giving you that's godly and righteous and proves out. You stay with that. You don't rebel. You don't be a traitor. Okay? You don't let down. And so, the Bible said, though, that there were those on the ship that under color, that they begin to go to the little dinghy boats and uh, the little lifeboats, and they were going to get let them down, they were going to get in them, which, as you know, makes absolutely no sense to leave a big ship in the middle of a storm, and the big ship is being buffeted every which way and broken up, as your Bible said, and to get in a little old boat and go out there in the same storm makes no sense whatsoever, none whatsoever. I had some people, <clears throat> they had been here for a little while and they left. They weren't originally with us, but
But they came to us seeking help and, and sanctuary, if you please. And so we worked with them. And, um, but they didn't work with us. And so um, one day, uh, the big brave man sent his wife and, and uh, a couple of the, the sisters and cousins maybe, and they came and, and they met with me and they said, um, we're going to go help our uncle. He's starting a little work about 50 miles from here. We're going to go help our uncle. And I said, oh, okay. Now I'm thinking these people live, you know, 10 miles from this church right here, this church house right here. And they couldn't get to church on time. Uh, they couldn't come consistently. And if they couldn't do that in 10 miles, how in the world are they going to go to one that's 50 miles away? I couldn't figure that one out for nothing. And you know what? Never did work out. It never did work out. And sometimes it's, it, you know, most of the time, it's just better if we will listen to leadership and we'll just learn to sink down our roots and stick with this thing, get some stickability about you, and, and submit yourself to where you can be pastored, where you can do what the Bible said to communicate and forget not, that you can communicate with leadership and that you can be uh, led by leadership and that you can uh, not only get saved, but you can stay saved. Wouldn't that be nice? That we could have some consistency about us and that what we start, we could finish because God does that. He gives us an example of that, that he that begun a good work in you will finish it. All right. And so this this group at Galatia was being infiltrated. Infiltrated. They were wanting to get in there, and the Bible teaches right here, they were wanting to spy out. They were wanting to spy. They wanted to know what was going on. They are looking for people among the congregation that would they could infiltrate their hearts and their minds in some way, get them to communicate with them. Doesn't that sound like Judas Iscariot? I, he was one of the first social medias, I guess. Because old, old Judas was communicating with some people. His Facebook and his Instagram and all that stuff, you know. He, he, he was uh, communicating with them. He was seeking opportunity to betray the Lord. That's what your Bible said about Judas Iscariot. Amen. And I, there were some others in the Bible whose name was Judas, and I could just imagine they were saying, I'm not Judas Iscariot. Get that clear. Don't want to be identified with him. Well, there's some things that you should not want to be identified with. There's some things that you, and, and it is written in the Bible, have thou nothing to do with it. You should have nothing to do with something. You should want to keep your, you know, if, if you, um, <clears throat> if somebody had a, a terrible communicable disease, you would, uh, you would probably want to keep a little distance. And uh, you wouldn't want that to get all over you or get in your system and to where you became sick. And so how much more spiritually that there are some things you don't want to get close to. You don't want somebody uh, coughing and sneezing and hacking all over you or, or drinking out of the same uh, glass that you're drinking out of and so on and so forth. You, you'd want to be more careful about that. You'd be careful about your physical health. What about being careful about your spiritual health? This is, I told you, this is eternal. This isn't just some ho-hum and doesn't really matter and 
anything is okay, anything isn't okay. This is very exact. This is very specific. And these folks came in. They infiltrated. They crept in. They creeped in. And they snuck in. And as that word that was used, as I said in the book of Acts, on the ship, it said that under color, that meant under pretense. They were pretending. Pretending. Come here, Tom. They were pretending. You know, there was, there was in your Bible, in the Old Testament group, that, that they were pretending to hug with friends. But he had a, he had a knife. And he just stabbed them. He just stabbed him. He was pretending to love him and to want to, to hug him and have good fellowship. But all the while, he was, had a knife. And he, was, and he stabbed him and killed him. And that's why it said of Abner, Abner died like a fool died. <laughs> he should have had better discernment about him. He shouldn't have let him that other guy get so close to him. You know, He should have kept a proper distance here. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> so the apostle was telling the new congregation, the young and fledgling congregation at Galatia. And uh, the apostle had to go back and take some authority on the new work there, in spite of the fact that he'd put and ordained someone. He had to go back, and he had to deal with it. And he said, this persuasion that is infiltrating, now I'm not going to go this morning other than to say to you, into a lot of depth, I mean, other than to say to you that the spirit of it, and that's what it's always going to be, was to get them to go backwards. Get that congregation to go backwards. Go back to the beggarly elements. Go back to not being in subjection. Go back to not communicating. Go back to not being loyal. Go back to not being faithful. Go back to not being true. Oh, yeah. And that's what they wanted. And um, <clears throat> the apostle was standing up against that. And he said, that persuasion is not of him that has called you. You have a high, a holy, and a heavenly calling. Amen. And so he wanted to, he was alerting. He was lifting up his voice. And you know what? The only ones that don't like that are the ones that are of the wrong persuasion the ones that are involved with the wrong thing. People who are in the truth and in the church, they're the ones that are going to have that revelation, thou art to Christ. They're going to put their finger on it. They're going to know what's right. They're going to be able to discern between bitter and sweet, between right and wrong, <clears throat> between righteous and unrighteous. And everybody said amen. 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 They, know, they know when something's Chinese. Right? That's when we say something wrong. They know when something's wrong. Amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Hey, I learned a, I learned a, a new language, a phrase in a new language. Um, ap Kelso Ho. That's Indian or Hindu for, how are you today? How do you like that? goes right along like Como Stausted and my Como Seva. So I'm trying to get a few in each language where I can bridge the gap and communicate, you know. Amen. All right. So, we want to be able to ask you how you are, and we want to be able to hear that you're doing just fine. We want to know that you're healthy and strong in the Holy Ghost. We want to know that you're on a straight and a level path that leads to life eternal. We want to know that you're still asking for the old path, meaning the tried, the true, and the tested path that leads to life eternal. 
We want to know that you're still taking heed to yourself, okay, and lest, lest you fall short of the promise of God and that you would lose the things that God has got in store for you. You want to, you want to be, in, as day in and day out goes on, I've had people through the years ask me, I had a young man ask me one time, and I had preached a revival um, as, as a young man in, uh, in New Orleans. It was my first out-of-state, our first out-of-state revival. We preached a lot in Florida, uh, but then my pastor sent me out-of-state, and um, this was our first real revival out-of-state, and we went to New Orleans, and um, it was a, a nice little church, small church, but a nice little church, and I remember that we put together a parade, and we went down in the middle of what's called the French Quarter, and um, we went down there, and we had one trumpet, one guy that played the trumpet, and um, so he was tooting away, and we were singing and marching, and, and um, Martin Luther had nothing on me. <laughs> Amen. So we had a good time, and I remember I had a little, I had a little tracks. They, they rolled them up, and they were in a capsule. It looked like a pill, and uh, in New Orleans, uh, along the street, there were people that lived on the second level, and they had little balconies or verandas. And they would be at, they were out there and they were hanging over and they were looking at us and waving at us. We were waving and we were stopping. We would preach and sing. And, and so I had this, these little um, invitations, these little tracks, and, and they looked like little pills, little capsules. And I remember well, I, gave, I gave, gave one to one guy and he popped in his mouth before I could stop him. <laughs> he swallowed that thing. <laughs> well, they told, the angel told John to take it. <laughs> So there was. <laughs> I had a little literal experience of that. But um, <clears throat> people, people need this great word of God. And they need this great truth. And um, I remember that the, the pastor's son, and they, she had, there was ten, 10 children in that family. And, uh, of course, after time went by, they grew up and they got older. And, and uh, I ran into the young man and had an opportunity to see him and talk to him. And uh, he asked me, he said, so, he said, uh, you still don't have a television? And I said, no, I, I still don't have a television. <laughs> no? Oh, oh, okay. You know, he was just hoping that I'd say, yeah, I did. You know, people are hoping that you'll sin. People are hoping that you'll let down. People hope that you, you go off to the right, if, if their spirit is wrong, if their spirit isn't right, if there's something in their heart. And so, you know, the Bible said that there would be those that would leave because it was necessary it, to, to make manifest, to show clearly who was of us and who isn't of us. And that's where your Bible said that the Lord, He's not only going to count His worthies, but He's going to recount them. He's going to recount them. And you want to be there constantly at the recount. You want your, your name when it's called that you can say, present, I'm here. Yes, sir. Still here. And everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Yes, sir. So it's important then that whatever is trying to persuade you, that you be sure that it's of him that calleth you. Because Paul said here as the apostle to this church, this congregation in Galatia, he said this persuasion and I'm watching and take and talking to you about, he said, it's not of him that calleth you. Not of him that calleth you. And so you want to be sure, and I want to be, I want to be convinced, persuaded. I want to be convinced. You know, uh, I can 
I can convince you, maybe, that church is good, coming and congregating together. I might convince you of that. But then, I need to persuade you to come, don't I? I need to persuade you to come on out. If I meet you out, we, we talked to people in, uh, recently at hospitals and in, in Creole and, and um, had one on the phone talking Creole and Dutch. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I just had a young woman, I, she looks like a girl, but found out she's got four children. <laughs> and uh, look, looks are deceiving, right? And, um, but we witnessed to her. And I, Patrick and Nicole were there that day, and they spoke to her in Creole. And um, she just told me the other night that uh, at the restaurant where she works that she said that she wants to come out. She wants to come out. Well, I, I'm hoping that we've convinced her that the church is good. But we've got to go on and persuade her to come visit, don't we? We've got to persuade her to come visit. And so I, uh, we want to uh, help you to, um, to do the right thing. We want to persuade you about this right thing. And I'm going to give you some chapter and verse in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 8. <clears throat> well, let me begin with verse 8. I'm sorry, did I say 8? Good, 8, that's the one I want. Um, and he went into the synagogue, now that was like the church house, and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. We're, we're going to be about, as it is Luke 2.49, about our Father's business, business of the Spirit, and it is a spiritual business, and that should be the priority in our life. There's a lot of things that we find ourselves needing to take care of and needing to do, but remember, we're fighting to keep the, the main thing the main thing. We want to keep, when we know that the main thing is this truth. We know that the main thing is Acts 2.38, John 3.5. And everybody said amen. amen. And all the things that the Bible teaches, though, that's the main thing. And we want to keep that the main thing in our lives. We don't want to get distracted. We don't want to bleed off to the right or to the left or anything like that. And we don't want to start living uh, under color or under pretense. We want to be true blue. We want to be real. We want to be the genuine article. You know, that's what we want to be. And we want people to say, as it is writ was written of Ruth, all the city, or in her book, all the city doth know that thou art a virtuous woman or man, a virtuous person, a person with moral excellence and power about you in the Holy Ghost, that you're not fake, you're not phony, you're not a pretender, but that the persuasion, that which is convincing you and, and, and trying to coax you even, you know, like a child coaxing them, helping them to walk. A little coaxing. Come on now, darling. Come on, come on, come on. You know, a little coaxing, you know. We can be gentle. And, and it does talk about the, the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Those are some of the characteristics. That's some of the fruit of the Spirit. And we can do that. And yet, at the same time, there are uh, those times when uh, we have to turn the tables over. And we have to make a whip. <laughs> and we have to crack the whip. It's times when it takes divine authority. Amen. And, and it's just like sometimes, um, I don't know, a, a little aspirin will do. And sometimes it takes a shot of penicillin. What can I say? You know, there's a difference here. And in the, in the medicine that has to be administered depending on the situation. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. So he found himself here, uh, the apostle did, and he said, and he went into the church house and he spake boldly. For the space of three months he put it into this situation. And he was disputing and persuading the things that concern the kingdom of God. Amen. So, there are, there are times, you know, I had somebody that uh, was criticizing um, the methods that we used to save a young lady who was just in her coming to mid and late teens. And, um, and I said, excuse me. I said, but I'm trying to reel in a big fish here. And it's, it, it takes a lot of effort. I had a man that owned a, uh, um, a resort down in Panama. And he was going back and he told me, he said, he used the term grander. And I said, grander? I said, what's a grander? And he said, a grander is a thousand pound marlin. And I said, you ever catch a thousand pound fish? And he said, nope. He said, I just find them and I give them to the guy that's paying me to go on this fishing trip. <laughs> we give it to him. He says, I don't want to, I don't want to work like that and haul that great big, you know, the reel on the on the rod is is gigantic and the, the line is so strong and it's like steel cable almost. And and you know, you they've got to have a thing to put that rod into and hold it steady, and, and you've got to you've got to fight, and that fish is not being cooperative. He's trying to get away, you know. And uh, so I'm saying. Uh, I, I'm trying to reel in a spiritual grandeur potentially here. I'm trying to I'm trying to see the the heights to which this person can grow in God. You know, I'm, we're we're optimists around here. We're not pessimists. We're not down on anybody. We're trying to. We're, you may be lost and undone and miserable and lonely, but we see the good that can be done in your life. We see what all the good things that can be produced by the Holy Ghost through the church in your life. So forgive me, sir, and get out of my way. I'm trying to. Catch this fish. I'm working hard here. Amen. 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 And so sometimes certain cases call for rather strong remedies. You know, to, uh, if it if it just take a band-aid, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, just put a little band-aid on it. Well, that was easy, that was done with, you know. And I've had people come. And say, so, oh, I got a problem, and their problem was easily remedied. And those are the kind, oh, that's nice, you know. But sometimes it's not quite that way. Some things are more difficult, okay? All right. I mean, to take a splinter out of your finger versus open-heart surgery, there's a pretty big difference there. Pretty big difference. So I'm turning now to uh, Acts chapter 26. A little bit deeper into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 26. Everybody said praise the Lord. In verse 28. Now this is when the Apostle Paul was, again, using, you learn to use your testimony, church family, blue ones. You learn to use your testimony and uh, how God saved you, how God delivered you, what God's doing in your life and what he's done in your life. And people can begin to relate when you tell them how lost you were, how ungodly un you were, and, and, and miserable and lonely and problems and situations, until that beautiful day that somebody brought you the truth of God's Word 
and convinced you of it, persuaded you of it, and, and helped you to come. And you too were baptized in Jesus' name. And you too received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And so here Paul, it didn't matter if it was some, somebody out on the street, uh, you know, uh, pushing an ox cart around or working in a restaurant or whatever, you know. In this case, it was a king. It was a king. And so in chapter 26 and verse 28, Then Agrippa, that is King Agrippa, said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Well, Paul told him, he said, I, I don't want you to be almost. He said, I want you to be altogether. I don't want there, and that, that's what happens a lot of times, church family. People, like that garden, something gets manifest. Something shows up, and they didn't let the pastor pluck the weed out. They didn't let him dung around and fertilize around and work in the situation of their life. And, and uh, so something began to come up that was degenerate, and they wind up leaving. They wind up betraying. They wind up... Uh, communicating with the wrong kind of people. And, and it, 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 you know, it always winds up to being to their detriment. They, they wind up uh, with things in their spirit. As I said, tadpoles and wiggle worms. They wind up with things that are uh, not of God. And this is, we're looking for, as Paul here uh, was said by King Agrippa to Paul, almost thou persuadest me. Almost you persuade me. That's right, we're trying to persuade you. We're trying to persuade you of good things. We're trying to, if we can get you saved, then we're going to continue on to try to keep you saved. We get you on the rock, we want to keep you on the rock. You may not ever be, some will not, there'll be some that will not be uh, the precious metal. But, you know, uh, they may be wood, and they may be hay, and they may be stubble. But you know what, if I, can, if I could just somehow help you to stay on the rock, if I could just help you to stay with the ship, stay with the church, stay with the teaching, stay with what's right. Do not be lost here. Do not be a pretender and get involved with the wrong things and wind up out in the storm on some little dinghy boat somewhere, calling it some kind of church somewhere, you know. And what a terrible thing that would be to be lost, I'm telling you, eternally. You don't want that. I'm in uh, the 20. Eighth chapter of the book of Acts and verse 23. <clears throat> now once again, this is the Apostle Paul. Verse 22, he said, but they said, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect or this truth, this belief, they were referring to those that were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Oh, you better believe. You think everybody's going to love the church? You think everybody's going to pat the church on its back and say how good it is? No, you can look for them to do that to a dog before you, you know. They'll put the dog in their little playpens or their little, uh, uh, what do you call those, strollers, you know. And, and they'll have... Uh, special bakery cookies for their little. I saw a guy getting in his car the other day, and a young man, he must have been about 20 years old, and, and he got in the car and he put it in drive, and, 
And, and then he all of a sudden he reaches over and he's petting the dog. And he's pulling it out, petting the dog, pulling it out. You know, you, 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 you'd probably find more people doing that to a dog than you would find them petting and being nice about truth in the church. Okay? There's going to be a lot more spirits that are out there that are against this. Everywhere, he said, it is spoken against. Well, that's right. You're going to find it everywhere. People are going to have spirits. And, you know, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, there's the only other option is that an evil spirit. Okay? <clears throat> so, and remember, without the spirit of Christ, the book said you're none of his. And the only way to get the spirit of Christ is to get baptized in Jesus' name and then be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, let's stand together. So here, in conclusion, you have them saying, we know that this is spoken against everywhere. And he said, and when they had appointed him, they, they said to Paul, they said, we're going to set aside a day, and, and we want to hear what you've got to say. And there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he, Paul, expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And brother, if that doesn't sum it up, I don't know what does. It's always going to come down to there's going to be those that believe and those that disbelieve. That's, that's just the way, the bottom line way it's going to be. I want you to be among the believers. I want you to be among the faithful, the loyal, the tried, the tested, the proven. That you're one place, quote unquote, use the term divided loyalties. Divided loyalties. I don't want my loyalty to be divided, friend. I want it to be multiplied. <laughs> I, want it, I want it to ex, ex, grow exponentially. I want it to to be more and more for Jesus, more and more for the truth, and more and more for what's right. No wonder the Bible said, no wonder it said, to know them that labor among you. Everybody said, praise the Lord. It said, know them that labor among you. You heard about the, the girl, the daughter, that told her dad, said, um, yeah, my boyfriend's coming over tonight. He's going, he wants to take me out. And the dad said, oh. Oh. So the dad went out on the front of the house and he sat down and he began to clean his shotgun. <laughs> Waited for the young man to get there. Hey, how you doing, young man? Sit down here while I clean my shotgun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, don't think we're just going to let anything come in now, you know? And so, <clears throat> after all, there is a wolf. There are wolves. There is that which has come to rend apart, to rip apart, and to destroy. Amen. Come on, church family. We're looking for the persuasion that's of God. And you should be looking for that. And if you've got that, then you need to embrace it and appreciate it and love it and polish it and pray over it and hold it close. Amen. Hold it close. 
Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise I want the I want the persuasion that is of him that's calling me. Let's take a moment. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. And let's worship our God, shall we? Father God, thank you for everything. Thank you, Lord, for life and strength, for good health and heaven's blessings, for this oh-so-great salvation. Thank you, Lord. I want my spirit to be right. I want my worship to be hot for God. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I praise you. I worship you. Yeah. <laughs>